0: This is the Applied Innovation Podcast, presented to you by Capgemini's Applied Innovation Exchange. In this podcast, we're going to talk about what innovation really means, how companies can incorporate innovation in their DNA, the challenges business face, some solutions to overcome these challenges, and one of the most critical elements. What does success actually look like? Innovation is at its core, about solving problems. And there are as many ways to innovate as there are problems to solve. There's no one true path. At the same time, innovation doesn't have to land in the headlines to have impact. Everyday innovation can be critical to long-term business success, says Scott Day Anthony, managing partner of the growth strategy consulting firm InnoSight. Since the 1990s, however, most large companies have been outsourcing their internal innovation efforts. According to an article in the Harvard Business Review by Beth Altringer from Harvard University's John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, companies pay upwards to 300 k to $1 million to innovation consulting firms to conduct market analysis, identify new opportunities, generate promising ideas, and often develop ideas into working prototypes. Undoubtedly, not all inventions from these collaborations achieve equivalent fame which can make clients who are paying high fees to those consultancies nervous. And it seems to be opening the door for new options that emphasize a deeply pragmatic approach to innovation, including mixing, entrepreneurship and corporations. My name is Frank Wammes, Chief Technology Officer for Capgemini Europe and a member of Capgemini's Applied Innovation Exchange Steering Committee. For the introductionary episode of this podcast, We have with us today, with great pleasure, Lenny Cohen, Capgemini's Chief Innovation Officer. Lenny, great to have you in this call.
1: It's great to be here, Frank. Thanks.
0: Yeah, It's one of our favorite topics to talk about, of course, uh, as uh, uh, lovers of innovation. But a question I have for you is, in today's hyper-connected, hyper digitized world terms like innovation disruption and digital transformation etc have become bywords for any industry how should an organization define innovation as a discipline but what's the difference between the buzzwords and and really the discipline can, can you elaborate on that
1: yeah that that's a great question frank and i think one that uh we're only starting to i think pay more and more attention to and i, I think the real genesis of it and and why it's different is I, I think up until now when, you know, when we talk about or we hear in the market references to disruption or innovation or digital transformation, d- they tend to be regarded as more discrete events that have a, you know, kind of a beginning, a middle and an end to them, uh, often treated as projects, that type of thing. And I think, you know, while maybe to get started, there's some uh, some benefit in, in looking at it that way. I, I think it's very, at the end of the day, it's very short sighted. And I think it's very, um, I think it undervalues what really has to be addressed. And that's where the discipline comes in. Because I think what we found is that unlike the past where, you know, innovations were happening, you know, once every five or seven years, that tended to be the cycle. The sources were pretty much, uh, well defined. Uh they came from very few sources. Most of the most important innovations and the impacts on most enterprises tend to be very narrow in terms of their scope. Um and, and innovations for for that reason were somewhat scarce. But but now innovations are plentiful, they're pervasive, they come from uh sources all around the world, the impacts can be entirely broad, almost disrupting entire industries, let alone an entire uh you know, business process. And as a result, I think what we found is the ability to apply or adopt or consume innovation is is really what a discipline is all about. And companies can no longer look at these things as just individual projects, but they really need to develop core competencies and proficiencies in adopting and applying uh, innovation today. And that's a real struggle for many companies, which you know we can we can elaborate on. Uh, a little later, but but I think the, the, the real core, uh, answer to question is I think because it is this constant flow and this acceleration of new innovations that's occurring, companies are now challenged with this need, uh, to address it on an ongoing basis, to be proficient at it, to have true enterprise competency at it. And, and that's why I think we're, we now see this distinction between innovation, disruption, digital transformation, uh, versus becoming a true discipline, uh, in an ongoing kind of process.
0: And, and to that extent, that goes further than just appointing a, uh, a, a, a digital Place or a digital department uh, for for companies to look at at you know what could digital or technology be? It, it it really is about getting it really through the DNA of an organization. Is is that the difference between what most companies do and the one that really mastered the discipline of, of innovation?
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge factor uh, that you're you're referring to. That I think be, because it's it's not discrete anymore, and it doesn't necessarily have this you know. Very well defined beginning, middle, and end. Uh, uh, the innovation department, the chief innovation officer role, uh, the R and D function uh, are, are just suboptimal today. You know these things are so impactful across the enterprise, and as you say, it gets to the to the true DNA of the enterprise. That there's a lot of things that have to start aligning. To, to make these things really sustainable over time. So you have to deal with leadership, you have to deal with culture. Uh, and you look at, you know, our work uh um, uh in in the area of digital uh mastery and and what you find is that uh even today that the digital masters are, are those that have really cracked the code on culture and on on the DNA and on the leadership and on the governance. To be able to do these things on an ongoing basis, but,
0: but but challenging challenging you a little bit on that, or perhaps the entire industry on that, is that requires really a different mindset from the leaders of the organization that you know grew up in in an area where you know disruption was something that accidentally happened, or where technology changes you know occurred every you know seven to ten years. How how is it then that that the leaders of organization can play that role? If you look at some of the successful organizations that you have interacted, how did leadership took on that role to really, you know, bring it from this cultural perspective towards a digital mastery?
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, that's why, you know, digital masters are kind of few and far between because it, you know, it, it, it is about leadership and it really requires the top of the enterprise. You know, as you allude to, you know, most enterprises today were built to be efficient, to manage costs very well, to have optimal process uh, efficiency, and in those types of things. They were not built to be innovators or to apply innovation. Now, yeah, that is the way of life. And a lot of the leaders in these companies grew up in a you know another place in time, and uh, so it does require you know everything from mindset to a unique set of, of capabilities. And, and I do think. You know, those that are digital masters, I, I think if you look at them, it really does start from the top. And while you can source many great ideas from the bottom, uh, I think to really drive the kind of disruptive innovation and be able to sustain it, uh, and apply it at speed and scale, uh, really requires, uh, you know, leaders to engage, leaders to have, you know, a lot of vision, leaders that can mobilize an entire enterprise that can Break down silos uh, that can, you know, kind of set the politics of the enterprise aside, and I, I think that is that is unique. And I think what we're finding more and more is those companies that you know do have those kind of leaders or uh, can develop those kind of leaders do have an advantage today.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. Also, if you look at now recruitment companies, you know, perhaps you bring in different kind of people. Diversity probably will also play into that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you also said uh, that a collaboration uh, uh, is something that, you know, needs to be done there. Uh, I think, you know, if we look at innovation, it's always most that where the silos are being broken, innovation
1: uh, comes to life.
0: I I always like a book which I read. It's called The Medicine Effect, which was written by a guy from Harvard who basically said that the the, the Renaissance came and the Medici family brought all the different disciplines together, like, you know, sculptures and painters and poets and scientists, and that gave birth to the Renaissance. And I think indeed, like, you know, the the crossroads where different disciplines meet is, is crucial. But it's already difficult, as you mentioned, to break that internally within the company. But does innovation not only require the breaking down the silos within the organization, but also perhaps between organizations? How do you look at at collaboration in an open innovation way, and what kind of parties should people uh, work with?
1: And that's it's a, again an excellent topic that that you raise here, Frank. You know, again, I think if you look at a traditional enterprise, it tends to be relatively closed. It used to operate within its four walls and that's kind of what it knew it had x number of trading partners it kind of knew its customer relationships and frank took a lot of things for granted with those relationships over time um and and then within the enterprise you know they were built to be very functionally oriented you know and that's in silos started to evolve and there's obviously been a lot of research and a lot written on it but as you said in some of your opening comments. You know, the world we're in today is, is about problem solving. It's about opportunities. It's about new challenges, new threats. It's about disruptions. And, and the way you solve those is by bringing together, uh, you know, whatever capabilities, competencies, experiences are, are necessary to address the problem. And, you know, a few comments on that. You know, one within the enterprise, it does require, you know, cutting across those silos and bringing multidiscipline Teams together, you know, we know that from from so many different experiences. Everything is, you know, confined as DevOps and IT, you know, bringing business and IT together. Uh, but but now it's even broader. You know, if you're going to deal with customer experience, you know, you need sales, you need marketing, you need operations, you need all these things to be brought to bear to really uh, fulfill the the new. Uh, brand commitments and brand promises that are being made to the customer. So how the enterprise works, you know, internally is is being flipped on its side or needs to be flipped on its side. Who you deal with then uh, externally becomes very, very important. Uh, you know, we know very well, just in terms of, of sources of, of innovation come from, you know hundreds of thousands of startups around the world and being open to that is very important to be able to reach down and to your organization and source ideas from you know where uh you know you have interaction with customers and suppliers in the field every day where some of the best ideas come from uh engaging much more directly you know with your customer and, and understanding their needs and wants better um so, so these are just many of the different forms of collaboration in the enterprise. And again, as we talk back to talking about discipline, you know, those that can execute that kind of interdisciplinary, highly collaborative, open innovation kinds of models, uh, again, have, have the real advantages in today's market.
0: Yeah, what 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 I what I was surprised about it was uh, we had a meeting in the New York uh, AIE actually with a large delegation of uh, of CIOs of Dutch ministries and we had an interaction with uh, people who were involved in the startup scene in New York so we had four four uh, different kind of of startup organizations that all interacted with the government and. What surprised me, Lenny, was that indeed they said, they all referred very lovely to the Bloomberg administration, how how he was really, how that administration really was pivotal in, you know, creating a startup uh, environment within New York. Uh, but what struck me was that they had a great conversation with the CIOs of the governmental organization in the Netherlands on how indeed looking using startups using open innovation but also using the diversity which really was stimulated within the startups like you know having immigrants or having more female leadership and if you have a start had a startup with female leadership you were you were allowed to have a larger first project without having too much you know procurement uh, hustle (laughs) around it that that really made the change and and the argument that they made was like you know they people have different insights that you will not have in your own organization. so and those insights actually gives you new value new perspectives and and could lead to innovation. So what struck me and I don't know how you look at it is was like you know their argument was almost like it's the perspectives of people. Almost are a, a bigger contribution than the new technology that you will in that you will have in hand. Let alone if you can combine those. Is that something that you recognize? I know you're from the New York area. Is is that something that you really feel as well? Is it working, or was it just like you know those four people had a great service uh, talk?
1: No, no. I think I think you're right. I mean, I think you know. Do we see it? We absolutely see it. Do we see that it's working? I think you know we see evidence of it working. Obviously, it's not. You know, it's scale yet, you know, in the market, but, but I do think th- those things are very important. I think the way a company, a governmental organization, you know, needs to look at itself is, is not define it based on its own traditional perimeters and boundaries. I think it needs to redefine the enterprise as, as all those potential touch points it can have in the market. And, you know, as you know, Frank, you know, we use this term ecosystem. You know, almost as part of our, you know, day to day vernacular today and, and for a reason, because I think, you know, ecosystem really becomes truly important. And in the comment you make about diversity, I think is, is totally spot on. Uh, I think more and more, you know, if, if an enterprise doesn't mirror the profile and the demographics of its stakeholders, whatever those stakeholders might be, I think it finds itself as a disadvantage, whether the stakeholders uh are its customers, whether it's its employee base, whether it's a supplier network, whether it's its investors, because I, I think you know more and more we see that those stakeholder groups uh emanate a set of, of expectations, expertise, uh requirements, those types of things. And unless we're sensitive to those and can understand and embrace and respond to those. We're at a disadvantage. So, you know, showing up to a customer meeting that's a highly diverse set of, set of executives representing that customer, uh, and showing up with, you know, a traditional group of, you know, white males, you know, over the age of, you know, 45 or something like that, uh, you know, already just sends off, you know, bad signals. You have to have an enterprise that is not responding to an employee base that is very diverse gender wise, uh, ethnicity wise, culture wise, that type of thing just makes for an organization that is just going to start to find itself very disconnected with its own employee base over time. So I, I think all those things, I think we're just at the beginning. So I think companies are, even though we've been talking about it for a while, I think companies are starting to make moves in those areas. We got a long way to go, but, but I think directionally, you know, we're heading the right, you know, in the right areas.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think you know that a diverse organization already is half of your customer journey, probably. Uh, but but now we already are quite a we're we're not a long way with the Applied Innovation Exchange, but we 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 are on our way now. And I'm I'm very curious how how do you did you see the Applied Innovation Exchange evolve since in its inception? Did was it a journey? that you thought it would be? Is it the outcome where you want to be already? Just give us a little bit of insights in the journey that you had uh, uh, and where I probably could be part of in the last two years.
1: Yeah, Uh, you know, it's interesting, Frank. It's it's kind of a good news, bad news story. I think the good news was, is I think, you know, we've been more right than wrong. I think, you know, when we kind of came up with the the vision and the idea and the strategy and what this should be, I, I think for the most part, We've seen over the past couple of years more or less validation of a lot of that thinking. Of course there's you know new things that have, have come about, but, but generally speaking, I think our center of gravity has been more validated than it's been you know wrong and we had to do course corrections. I, I think so that's kind of the good news. The bad news is to me, the 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 acceleration in, in the pace of evolution of what we we thought might be coming, has just been just super, super fast. Uh, Things that I didn't think we would get to for, you know, a couple years down the road, you know, we're getting to in six months down the road. Um, You know, in a couple of examples, you know, we knew early on that the discovery phase of the AIE would be very important in terms of the what, you know, what was the, the, the hypotheses are the right, uh, the, the right array of potential answers or solutions to the problems. But I think, you know, what has happened is now the need to get physical, uh, has happened so quickly that it, it's not just enough to come up with, with the possible answer and to, you know, draw it out or talk about it, but the need to see it and be able to touch it and feel it and create proofs of value around it has just, to me, materialized super, super fast. So the demand for prototyping and MVPs and proof of concepts and all those types of things has really just accelerated. Uh, we knew adoption is another example, you know, was going to be a real challenge. But but again, but we thought, the, you know, there'd be time before, you know, we had to really understand more and more about those barriers. We We knew kind of what they were. But I think they've come into focus now at such a pace and, and companies have been right up front and say, great idea, but we can't do it. We're not built for that. So, you know, recently we've kind of, we've taken kind of the barriers of innovation, as you know, and we've kind of consolidated them into, into five other, um, you know, impact drivers, if you will, things like cultural resilience digitally native, landscape driven, customer obsessed in those types of things. And that's really, I, I think, become so much of the nucleus now of what customers want to get into those kind of dialogues because they know if they can break those things down or at least become uh, more and more proficient in those areas, their ability to to absorb innovation and have it really stick and be sustained is going to be uh, is going to be undermined, uh, you know, as they move forward. So, so these are the kinds of things that, again, I think we knew were there, but boy, it's it just accelerated at a pace that I, I never anticipated, that's for sure.
0: Cool. And I, uh, and I like and the I new uh, topics that you addressed because basically all the time, all the things that we have been talking about were about culture. It was about, you know, how digital intense an organization is, how customer obsessed you are. So, you we didn't use that as a as our line through the document, but actually, or through the podcast. But actually, it it really is the line through the podcast. It's those things that now have become so obvious, yet I think so difficult for certain companies to really start mastering. And and I think that is indeed the role that uh, that the Applied Innovation Exchange uh, will will definitely take forward. I, I I have a lot of trust in that, Lenny. Lenny, any plans for this year? Because uh, we we have a lot of locations already. It's more than only the location, it's the framework, so everybody can benefit from it. But I know that also the physical locations are, of course, of importance as well. Some plans for this year that you can already share with the audience?
1: Well, Frank, you know as well as I do, our our appetite is is sometimes bigger than, you know, our ability to to digest. So, uh so, so we got a lot of really good ideas, I think, out there, but I'll, I'll maybe highlight three that I think are, are really noteworthy. Uh, maybe four. Uh, the first is around this concept of the global platform. I think really now, the second half of 2018 and 2019 is when we really pull all these entities together and really start to realize the power of this platform that we've created. And for customers, for partners, for startups, for our people, you know, no longer should they be engaging with an individual AIE. Uh that may be their portal into the platform, but it should really be this global capability that we've built and the value that, that uh is able to generate is what our stakeholders should be interacting with going forward. So I think we'll we'll see a lot more focus on on the power of the platform as opposed to the individual exchanges. The other thing we want to do is we want to continue to professionalize our, our exchanges. Just like everything else, we gotta, the bar continues to go up. I think we've gotta, you know, raise the caliber of our, our game, uh, the professionalism of the people that are in the AIEs, uh, the quality of the, of the content and the output that we generate, uh, and, and really make sure that you know, we, we continue to, uh, be able to stake a leading position in the market through our own, uh, you know, our own evolution and our own professionalism, uh, that, that we bring to bear. Um, the, the, the third thing is, which is kind of a, a new idea, but I think what we're seeing in the market is customers really needing more hand holding, more learning, more enablement. Of, of of them going through this applied innovation journey. So we've been starting to toy with the idea, the concept of, of an AIE uh, institute, if you will, uh, where we can harness some of the capabilities around the group, like the university, uh, like some of our just incredible depth that we have in India. And how do we start to kind of create a, a bit of an overlay where we can offer customers and and our own people, you know, ways to accelerate their their digital literacy and fluency when it comes to applied innovation. I think there's some really exciting opportunities there. And then last but not least, I think we've got to continue to look at the core geographies that we continue to take up residency in. So uh, as you know, we're looking at three sites, four sites actually. Uh, for the remainder of this year, Madrid, Milan, Sao Paulo, uh, and Hyderabad, which is exciting, again, not just because we think they're good ideas, but the startup ecosystem there is powerful. The industry dynamic is uh, is very, very interesting in those areas. And, and there's a lot of talent uh, in the future skill sets that we need there. So I think those are very important. And then as we kind of look beyond that, I think, uh, we've got to come to grips with, um, with the innovation dynamics that are happening in, in China and Israel. Cause I'll, you know, you've heard me say, Frank, and I know you have the same position that, you know, if we're going to be in this, in this game and be truly a leader and credible in the market, uh, those two geographies are, are just part of, uh, part of the future state that we can't ignore. So. Just a little bit of a glimpse of, I think, some of the ideas coming down the pike right now.
0: I totally yeah. agree, and I think the, the value, and it's what I, I recently had a discussion with the, the head of innovation for a large manufacturing company, and 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 I actually, you know, was like, okay, what what can we bring to the table? But actually, if we if we when we when we talked about all the stuff that we did, he actually said, you're spot on, and and the cool thing for companies like Capgemini, is that you cover more industries and different topics where we can learn from and uh, th- so that we're not always you know looking at our own industry and 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 have the have the risk that we uh, don't see what's really coming out there and particularly with the convergence of so many industries now uh, where people are just you know looking and taking concepts from other industries i think having the different locations and having particularly the idea of the ai in- institute uh, Applied Innovation Institute is uh, is something that I think uh, will be very uh, useful uh, for the outside world. Lenny, it has been a fascinating conversation as always and I hope it was also very insightful for you our listeners. I hope you stay tuned for our next episode on collaborations with the startup ecosystem and we would love to hear from you. So if you have ideas or if you have topics that you want to be addressed in one of the podcasts you know, then please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at at Lenny S. Cohen or at F. Wamus. Uh, and, of course, on our LinkedIn accounts. Don't hesitate. Uh, as Lenny already has said, it's open innovation. It's about sharing ideas. Uh, and I think that's where the crossroads come together and where uh, we all can benefit from the power of innovation to make the world a little bit more better better, and a little bit more innovative. This is the Applied Innovation Podcast brought to you by Gemini's Applied Innovation
1: Exchange.